Are you happy with your own photography? Never, and I don't think one should be. You are listening to Photography Conversations, where Tomasz shares with you his comprehensive interviews with passionate photographers and the most innovative photo industry leaders, developers, and influencers. This podcast will help you stay an inspired and well-informed photographer. On today's show, I am talking to Michael Kenna, British fine art photographer, best known for his images of black and white landscapes. His work has been displayed all over the world. He has permanent exhibitions in the Museum of Decorative Arts in Prague, the Victoria and Albert Museum in London, the National Gallery of Art in Washington, D.C., and in the Bibliothèque in Paris. Let's dive straight into my conversation. 99% of your photographs are square format black and white images, as far as I know. And uh, you have been doing that for, for, for more than 40 years. So how on earth does one stay motivated and keeps shooting mainly landscapes in the same format for, for, for such a long time? Good morning, Tomas. I'm, I'm in Seattle. You're in Switzerland. So it's a slightly different uh, time zone. Um, I'm very interested in your statistic of 99%. You know, it could be 97.75. <laughs> I don't <laughs> So I was not, I was not so much off. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I, I started with many different medias, many different cameras. I experimented with, you know, panoramas and 35 millimeters and horizontal and eight by 10, four by five, lots of different ones. For the first 10 years, I, I, I used 35 millimeter. I found, uh, as often happens when you're using the same camera over and over, it becomes to be predictable, which is has uh, pros. It also has cons uh, because you tend to get a little trapped into those uh, formats. And I moved into the two and a quarter medium in the mid 80s, uh, purposely to break up my rhythm, essentially. Uh, and I used a waist level finder. So everything was back to front and slightly upside down and made photographing a little more difficult. And I think that is one of the keys to photography generally is that we don't want to get too comfortable at any one, at any one time. Now I've been using this camera on and off since the mid 80s. So yes, 30 years, 30 plus years. Uh, it's a great camera. Uh, at the same time, I've experimented with lots of different other formats and I often use Holgers, little cheap plastic cameras. Um, I often feel that, you know, the camera has very little do to do with one's, uh, photographic journey. Uh, it just happens that the Hasselblad I use is, is, is really a utilitarian, uh, quite precise, but, uh, but very basic camera. It comes uh, with its basic functions of lens, body, you know, film back, um, and viewfinder. And those are interchangeable. So if they break down, I can, I can replace them. It's like an old lawnmower for me. Um, I, I know the camera very, very well. Um, I don't think it has much to do with the camera in terms of one's passion for photography. I think it has much more to do with one's inner drive to discover, to be curious, to constantly investigate and, and explore. Um, I can see, you know, using the same camera for the next 200 years and finding sufficient material to keep me motivated for many lifetimes. Um, that has never been an issue with me. You know, there are so many places, so many countries, so many things to photograph and, and, and just to look at. Uh, that I, I just don't ever see it as an issue, kind of the lack of inspiration. It, for me, it is much more a matter of trying to rein in 
all the divergent, diverse, numerous, different possibilities. Um, and, and, you know, I would hope that w- that is for everyone. It's just, you know, life is so amazing. The journey is so amazing. There's so many fantastic places to go photograph that, I, you know, it's difficult for me to understand a kind of a lack of inspiration, a lack of drive. I think there's so much out there. When you talk about the cameras, you actually answered my question, you know, which I have here prepared for later. So, because I, I can imagine that um, the photographic equipment itself, you know, camera lenses are relatively low, exactly on your personal priority list. Absolutely, and, uh, yes. But in order to to per- pursue a certain vision, certain look, you know, or simply a uh, simply a certain format of images, it is necessary to choose the photographic gear accordingly, right? Well, I think, yes. I mean, for me, it wouldn't make sense to use, you know, a, a, a digital camera with all these bells and whistles, for example. It's just not my character. I prefer my old, it's like an old, well-worn guitar that I've been playing for years and years and years. Yes, I can go into electronics and garage band and all these other things. But when it comes down to the instrument you're using, uh, it needs to be a part of your body almost, a, a part of your creative function. Um, I have no interest in, in, in the gadgetry as, as, as such. Um, the simpler the better for my way of working. But that is just me. And as you say, everybody has to choose their own instrument of communication. So for some people, it, it, it is, you know, um, drones and, and various, you know, new cameras and, and techniques. And, and that's perfectly fine. It just doesn't fit with my way of working. What was it that fascinated you about this square format? Because you are mainly known for square format images, right? I would think so at this point, yes. But I, I, but I certainly wasn't the first 10 years of my career because <laughs> I didn't use it. <laughs> um, what fascinates me, I think, it is, it is for me, an open universe. Um, I don't find that I'm confined as with most other formats, you know, such as 35 millimeter. Um, in, in which, as I mentioned, you already have to make decisions of whether this should be horizontal or vertical, and how do I fit things into this rectangle. With a square, you're basically playing with four equal sides, and so you can compose accordingly. I still have the option and often use it to crop later, not necessarily into a square. If you actually look at the work I do, not many of them are real squares. They're slightly horizontal, slightly vertical, Sometimes I make a square into a panorama, either vertical or horizontal. Uh, so for me, it just gives me an enormous amount of flexibility. Would you say composing in square format, you know, composing the image is, is in a way easier or is it just more open? I mean, like, you know, gives you more options. I think it gives you more options. I don't think it's either easier or more difficult. I think it's just another possibility. And now, And how about black and white? Because again... I, I, w- I would be hard pressed. I think to to recall a color image of yours. Only commercial, only commercial work. I, I, I just again find I have a proclivity towards the the monochromatic spectrum. Um, so most of the artwork that I that I appreciate is is monochromatic, black and white. Um, again, it's a it's just a personal thing. You know, I, I often say that we 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 see in color all the time. That's our world. So when you reduce something to black and white. It immediately becomes more of an interpretation. It's a little more mysterious. It's a little more calming. Uh, for me, more meditational almost. I often use the 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 the, uh, the reference to writing, and I say that you know I, I prefer my work to be more of a haiku poem 
with just a few elements, a lot of simplicity, but a great amount of suggestion, as opposed to an encyclopedia with huge amounts of facts and description. That is not what I'm interested in doing. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, does does it happen at all these days for you that you you know using whatever camera it might be sh shoot some color images? Well, not seriously. I mean, I recently you know finally came around to getting one of these smartphone things so I can take snaps of <laughs> wherever I go. You know, now that Polaroid doesn't exist, it's actually very useful because it it, it tells me where I am when I go back later to, to tr try to reference that place. So yes, I photograph in, in, in color just to make snaps, but <clears throat> it really doesn't interest me very much. You know, the first thing I do is convert it back into black and white to see what it looks like. <clears throat> I just find black and white enables you to use your imagination much more than color, but it's a personal thing. In one of your interviews from, from several years ago, I guess uh, you said there are great photographs by ordinary photographers and Ordinary photographs by great photographers. Oh, I think I was smart in those days. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you, like, you know, for, for your own very subjective opinion, how often does Michael Kenna manage to, to produce a great photograph? I'm still trying. I haven't got one yet, but one of these days. Are <laughs> <laughs> you? It's, it's, that's an impossible question because. You know, you could never put that uh, that that description upon one of your own photographs. Uh, are you are you are you happy with your own photography? Never, and I don't think one should be. Um, yes, you know, I'm content that I'm on this wonderful journey, and it's been an amazing uh, expedition. Uh, but I, I don't think anybody should ever be satisfied with the work they do. One should always be striving. You know, there's this, you know, my favorite football team is Everton and they have this motto. It's called nil satis nisi optimum, which in Latin means nothing but the best is good enough. So you give your best all the time. You strive for perfection all the time, but hopefully you never reach it because if you reach perfection, the, the image probably wouldn't be that interesting. It's one of the things that I, I, I resist with the, you know, the digital revolution is that it's so easy to make things so perfect and so clean and, and so tidy that they kind of lose their their ability to uh, to evoke a reaction, to evoke emotion. It, it becomes a little antiseptic, I think. Um, so perfect, the, the, the striving for perfection is, is wonderful, but but I, I don't think I've I've ever reached it or ever will, I hope. When you would have to single out those moments you know of, of satisfaction in this because there must be some on the on the way in the process would you say this is the moment you click the shutter most for you or when you print the image where is this moment of you know excitement when you get goosebumps or or you know those moments that keep you going i think it's a whole package isn't it um you know in in, in, in this journey there is the, the the preparation there is you know finding the locations there is seeing something wonderful happen there is being actually present at a phenomena to then, you know, eventually process the negatives and and see the result uh, on on the contact sheet. It's, it's just like you know, Christmas, uh, or, you know, this amazing discovery, uh, and then to go into the dark room and then to realize that through the, the printing process, and then to you know, mount it, and present it, and having an exhibition or a book. You know, every facet is is quite wonderful, and and it varies from photograph to photograph. I've often said that in my way of working, that when I'm out. And I see something, and yes, I get those goosebumps, and I think this is amazing. This is going to be you know, the best photograph I've ever made. It's often quite predictable somehow. It doesn't quite um, 
translate of the, the emotion that I felt when I was photographing. And often it's the photograph, you know, either before or a photograph a little bit later that turns out to be more interesting than the one that I predicted would be the best one. And so I've come to fill myself with, with doubt at all times when I'm photographing. I never accept that I have you know, a good photograph or the best photograph or the best I can do. I continue to, to work through something to the point of uh, exhaustion almost because I, I always realize that the best photograph may be around the corner. You know, it's not, Ansel Adams had this wonderful uh, saying that when you photograph something, you should always look behind you because what is behind you is often far more interesting than what you see in front of you. And I think it's this, it, it, it's a bit the same, you know, when you're photographing that, you know, now digitally we tend to, you know, or people, I don't, cause I don't have a digital camera, but people tend to make a photograph and immediately look to see what they have. I don't have that possibility. And purposely, I don't want to know what I have. I want to always be second guessing, always in doubt, always thinking, well, you know, maybe the best photograph is the next one rather than the one I took five minutes ago. Are opinions of other people about your work important to you? Well, I want everybody to love my work, of course. <laughs> but, but ultimately, uh, you know, you, you, you can't please all the people all of the time. You know, it's impossible uh, because we all have different points of view. We all have different visions. And it would be extremely boring if we all liked the same things. You know, there are many visual works out there that, that leave me cold, which may be considered masterpieces. Um, and there's nothing wrong with the work. It's it's something that's perhaps lacking in me that I have a certain way of looking and, and certain things please me. And I react to certain things. And I would expect that from every other viewer. So yes, it's always great when you have people liking your work, but I don't think that should be the main reason you do it. In your case, I would say there is quite a <laughs> big group of people, you know, admiring your work. So uh, existence of this group of those people, of those admirers, it must be some kind of a kick on a regular basis. I mean, something that keeps you, it is something that helps, right? The, the, the... Yeah, so uh, uh, absolutely. Yes, it's, it's, it's good to have positive affirmation from, from anybody, you know, <laughs> and the more people you have it from, probably the more motivation you have to, to keep going, I, I would think. What would you tell to a photographer who, who is currently in the middle of um, a creative crisis, you know, who thinks that his work is not good enough, who, you know, just wants to give up photography entirely, uh, but he loves it. He loves the, you know, he loves photography, he loves this whole thing. But how would you talk to such person? Well, I think it's, you know, it, it's like this with any creative path and medium, you will have uh, obstacles, you will have uh, hurdles, you have gates you have to climb over or go around. Uh, it's And it's necessary. And it's usually at the times of, you know, most crises is when you have the biggest breakthroughs, creative breakthroughs. Um, but it takes a lot of determination and passion and, and self-will and, and, and And just work. You just have to constantly work. You have to be constantly moving and, and, and looking and, and trying to find new ways of expressing yourself. Um, I think it would be, I think it's inevitable that, that everybody on, on a creative path has these crises. But you know, it's when we go back to that first question, you know, even if you're in crisis, 
it's it's an amazing thing to do to to be out photographing, to be communicating and, and enjoying and, and, and connecting, you know, with with, with visual subject matter. Um, so I don't have any particular formula of of how to get through crisis except you just work through it so you would be suggesting to go out and work even harder because there are some people who who actually suggest you know taking a break i i I mean this is a a weird analogy but you know i had you know back issues um you know many years ago and uh, you know if you go to one one doctor they'd say you know you need to have surgery for this you should you know stop you know, like running, because I, I run lots of marathons and things and walk, you know, with backpacks, and I just like to be physical. And so one doctor would say, you need surgery for this, you know, I, I can, we can schedule in. And you go to another doctor and they say, you need to get in the gym and work out and get muscles to protect, <laughs> protect this area. They're both valid. You know, which one do you choose? I would always choose the proactive one. I would try to keep going, you know, even faster perhaps and, and, and endure more and, and, and kind of build the muscle. And when you're working in the visual arts, you are building muscle. You're, you're, it's kind of fortification almost. The more ideas you have, the more creative expression you put into it, um, the more you're padded for those times of crisis in a sense. You know, you have reserves that you can, you can go back to. Uh, you're not on the fine edge. Okay, black and white square format. You're also the master of long exposures. Many of your images are very long exposures. Is any of your cameras capturing a long exposure somewhere right now as we are recording this conversation? Unfortunately not. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's light here. If it was dark, maybe. (laughs) Yes, I I, I mean, I'd like to leave cameras out in in the landscapes, on the roof. You know, if I'm ever in a hotel, I'd like to stick a camera at the window and let it run for five or six hours and just see what happens. And most times, you know, it's not so interesting, uh, but occasionally you get some very fascinating results that are unplanned and un- unpredicted, which which I like very much. Do, do you try to photograph every day? No, no, I don't. Uh, you know, I have a, a very a strong home life here. I have children, uh, family, and uh, so I have lots of things to attend to while I'm home. Um, I tend to divide my time into, you know, now I'm a photographer. Um, you know, I'm getting on a plane, I'm going somewhere, you know, the next 10 days, you know, I think, breathe, <laughs> eat, sleep photography, you know, and, um, and I can, I can do that. And, and, and it works very, very well for, for me. It's a, it's a little more difficult when you have all the, um, you know, the aspects of, uh, of living in a family life, uh, to then also try to be a photographer at the same time. I do all my printing, all my retouching, all my editing, selection process, you know, lots of stuff uh, here on the home home front, but I don't photograph as much when I'm at home. So I can imagine when you when you go on a trip, when, when you go photographing, you prefer doing it alone. Uh, yes, that is, that is the best possible scenario for me as a photographer, but not necessarily for all photographers. At the same time, um, it's always good to have somebody watching your back. So you're not, you're spending the time thinking, you know, is somebody going to steal my camera? You know, how do I find a hotel room? How do I get from here to there? You know, what am I going to eat? You know, there's all these, you know, basic things that we, we have to think about as human beings in, in, in this world. And they take away from the focus of photography. So often I travel with a guide. Uh, it's not usually a photographic assistant. I don't really uh, need one of those, but I often need somebody to deal with some of the logistics so that I can actually spend my time um, most efficiently by being a photographer. 
Wonderful. M Michael, the, the last thing I, I ask my photography radio guests is to give our listeners an assignment. So ah. something they could, you know, something they could try doing today to give their photography another kick. So would you have an assignment for us? Well, I, you know, I, I think back to when I worked for uh, one of my gurus, uh, Ruth Bernhard, a wonderful photographer. And the assignment that, that she would give uh, to, to, to people was to photograph within 10 feet of your bed for a week, not go anywhere, find what is around you, the gift of the commonplace, uh, she called it. That was extremely difficult for me because I love to jump on planes and go thousands of miles away. <laughs> so we were, we were constantly kind of arguing about that, uh, which is a good, a good way to explain that, you know, we all have different ways of, of doing things. Uh, what I would suggest, and, and quite sincerely, is, you know, if you have a digital camera, then to, um, you know, tape over the, the viewfinder so you, you have no idea what you're getting. I, th I think that is, is difficult for a lot of people these days because we want instant gratification. Uh, for, for us film photographers, I would actually suggest photographing without a camera. I mean, I've often suggested photographing without film in the camera. So you're going through the process, but there's no final results. It's all in your mind. Um, I think as a photographer, we need to get away from this idea of, of being a paparazzi, that we always need results, that the end you know, always justifies the means somehow. I, I sincerely believe that the journey is, is, is powerfully important. It's, it's a crucial aspect of, of creativity. And if we don't actually see the results, then the creative process goes on in our, in our mind and in our soul and in our heart. And, and, and sometimes that's a very, very powerful way of, of, of kind of jump-starting, being a catalyst for that creative process. Wonderful advice. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Michael, uh, for, for accepting my invitation. And uh... Great pleasure, Tom. Sure you owe me a, a glass of wine in Switzerland someday. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. Anytime. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Michael. Have a great night. Enjoy your travels. Thank you so much. Take care of yourself.